being recorded, it already sounds scary. There is no hiding. You got my uh, vocals? Yeah, you can hear me? Yeah, perfectly, mate. Awesome. Happy days. Happy days. How are you, handsome man? Oh, I'm doing all right. I had what started out to be a, a relaxing day turn into hectic stuff, and it's, what is it, 3 o'clock now? Yeah, so how was your day at a 10 so far? Oh, 8.5. I'm happy solid. enough. Nice. Mate, I'm happy enough. What am I going to complain about? The dog eating the plants and digging holes out the back? Nah. Yeah, life ain't that bad. No, it's not, mate. It's not. Who are you? That's all pretty swanky in the background. Mm. Yeah, so that's that's the shop that we've got now, currently. Concept store slash restaurant slash event centre slash cafe. So, mm. yeah, it's good. It's very good. And where is it? It's in Burwood Road, Hawthorne. So it's called oh, Zuby. Yeah. Uh, so it's got an online store as well. Uh, what started as probably a concept store with a little bit of cafe is now turned into more of a restaurant cafe beast that does a lot of events because it's a real lush setting. And, uh, of course, you know, when it's not COVID lockdown, we're flying. So, yeah, it's good. <laughs> COVID lockdown. Yeah. Yes. It's interesting. It's interesting. I, I can remember when we first got the mask mandate here and we're in Noosa. It's a country town. <laughs> we, we, we don't know what to do beyond put the thongs on and get down to the beach. That's pretty much the extent of our planning process here. Yeah. So speaking of going to the beach, when we had our, uh, the first introduction of masks here, I think to myself, I'm just going to go for a walk on the beach because it's what I do, get out, get my head clear. And on the way back through Sunshine Beach, there's a great little place called the Marble Bar. Great little, like right on the footpath. And I walk in and I shout out to the guy and I say, look, mate, I don't have a mask. I've been walking on the beach. If I can't come in, it's fine. I'm not, you know, I don't want to cause any problems. I don't want you to get fined or anything. And he's like, you're not the only one, mate. Okay, we'll work this out. He said, first, you've got to sign in. And then you got to do this. And he's like, just sit down here on this table because it's the closest table to the door. You can't come up to the bar, which was about three metres away. Yep. So tell me what you want. I'm talking to him the whole time because he's, if I, if I had a you know, dry pee, I could have thrown it and hit him between the eyes yep. at every point, right? And he gets me a beer, puts it down. And I said, you know, like, I just, I, I just want to have a beer. I thought I'll support you. You know, I'll just have a quick drink. And he's like, it's all right. And then like three or four other people came in. By that time, he lost the plot, took the mask off and threw it. He's like, it's, it's hardly useful, useful for me to be wearing this mask. And I said, but none of us know what to do either, mate. Yeah. We just don't understand. I said, so technically, what I have to do is put my mask on at the front door, walk past the table you've asked me to sit at, to come to the bar to order a drink. And then once I've paid and ordered, I can go and sit back at the table and take my mask off with my drink. Is that how we're, is that how we're rolling? And he's like, yeah. I said, well, no wonder small businesses don't know what's going on and people are staying home. Exactly. So it's a tough one. I mean, you know, I couldn't fault him. He was trying to do his best. I think everyone in hospital is trying to do their best at the moment, but uh, I mean, down here, it's, they're just getting whittled away. It's just like, it's like a, almost a game of 10 pin bowling and the government just keep rolling that ball down and knocking over businesses every time they lock us down. So yeah, it's, some place standing, but then the next round they get knocked down again. And yeah, yeah, yeah. it's hard at the minute because 
Uh, and a lot of friends, obviously, you know, I've jumped back into hospo out of a, a year out of it. So, but all my mates are still hospo. Yeah, yeah of course. I love this, you know, Victoria, you've got this, Melbourne, we've done this before, you know, we're all in this together. Like we're not in this together, especially hospitality and small business. And that mm. doesn't just go for, you know, your cafe, your restaurants, your bars. It's like when they locked us down the other night and gave us less than, you know, pretty much three hours notice to get everything done. Like I've got hairdresser friends that have got colour in people's hair going in at six o'clock. Like what the hell are they meant to do? Like exactly. You know, let people walk out looking like Easter eggs or something or not setting correctly. It's, it's nuts. So anyway, yeah. I understand why we do the lockdowns. I understand that. Well, actually, no, I'm trying to be. I'm trying to understand. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not really that politically correct about it at all. Cause it's, it's you know, just interesting, mate. Like it's, I would hate to be in a position of power trying to work out what to do because right now everything smacks of trying to look like you're making a decision rather than actually making a decision. That's right. And so it's, it's, it's tough. It's, I mean, but my business is dead at the moment. Like it's just, it just fell over. I made some decisions and made some adjustments and then we got locked down. Yeah. And based on where I'm holding uh, my sessions and other people being around because of the lockdown, that all just went people. No, not coming. Okay. Fair enough. Like really good really good result, you know, like sensible, everyone's adhering. Yeah. But then it's mental health. So once something gets paused, they don't come back straight away. They've got to take their time to get their momentum up. Yep. So this week there's nothing. I'm at the end of the week. Maybe next week there's nothing. I don't know. And, and I'm just a small time operator, right? I'm, I'm not trying to take over the world here and I don't have big overheads. And the, the interesting thing is like, I've heard your, your story and yours is not the only one in Melbourne hospitality, how it's really rough. The most amazing thing up here is all of the small businesses that are in hospitality are packed at the moment. Like as soon as the doors open, they're packed. If, if it's locked down again, people are just getting takeaway just to keep them open yeah. because they struggle the whole time. Anyway, here it's so seasonal. Last year uh, during lockdowns, takeaway was big. But mm -hmm. every and from who, who I've spoken to, every single lockdown that occurs at the moment, it becomes less and less. Mm -hmm. And I think that might be a result of you know people not having that you know kick from the government that they had last year yeah, and all yeah. sorts of things. So they are this time kind of worrying about their money a little bit more, or cooking at home, or being a little bit more diligent. So yeah, yeah. like I, I look, I'm no economic genius, uh, and I tried to run the numbers in my head, which was an exercise in futility. But when you, you just think about the flow of money, if the government puts it out into someone's pocket, they're, they're going to use it more often than not locally. Mm, that's right. Except, except when they go to buy a big screen TV, right? Um, which some people will do, but most people are putting it back into the economy locally. And then they're paying taxes, which go back to the government. So I don't know. You know I don't know enough about it to know why that isn't still possible and why people are getting their knickers in a twist. Maybe I'm not smart enough to work it out. You but wouldn't okay. be the only one. Yeah, I just, I should do that. You know, I'm trying to work at the moment what's going on. Like there are, thankfully in Queensland, the Queensland government's done some rolling grants to keep places moving, but they have very stringent and strict guidelines as to what constitutes a business that can claim certain things. Yeah, okay. And it's, it's you need you need that right because or else everyone will start claiming things. But it makes it like just trying to just. I've spent a few hours today trying to decipher what is available 
to kickstart things again, because like the way my business exists is it's most mostly locally. I do I do a bunch of work online, but you know, like I am offering a service to the local community. So I think, okay, I can tap into these funds, right? Mind you, mate, you'll love this one. I don't know, you'll have a giggle. Uh, did you see how uh, a whole bunch of churches took the JobKeeper payment from the government, but they still no. made the same amount of money and they took the JobKeeper? No, that's clever. It's resourceful. It is very resourceful. It's not unusual for, for those <laughs> kind of organisations. Uh, and now they're being, some of them, is, is there's like a talk. Should we be asked... Should they be asked to give this money back? Yes. Yes. Then I mean, it's not it's not a hard question, you know. Give it to the people in the community that really need it. Yeah, like if you if you weren't impacted, because I, I remember when JobKeeper first came out, and everyone around here is trying to work out are they eligible. It was a thirty percent decrease in income turnover. Fair darts. That's most people. Okay. And like, it, that's, that's a sting in the tail. If you're making the same amount, maybe not. Maybe you can just um, let just, other people have it. Exactly. exactly. Strange, strange days, man. Strange days. Sometimes just sitting on the coffee machine. Like I, I must admit, like I don't flirt with danger of bending the rules, but you, you work in hospo, you are interacting with people as opposed to mm -hmm. some that are in that proper lockdown and they're not getting out and seeing anyone. So I do have that interaction or, you know, like I can duck past mum and dads, which we're not doing, not allowed to do this lockdown, but, you know, like hypothetically other times, like they could be my bubble and that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but seeing some people that are like completely locked down and isolated from everyone and how it's affecting them is just, it's absolutely nuts. That's why I've got this big, um, is a bugbear? Is that what they what they call call these things? Yeah, yeah so, we can call it that. Yeah. So Sounds it's like- right to me with the gyms being closed and so many mates that have got gyms and, you know, big reason for obviously getting into counselling is sitting there and helping people. And, you know, I was chatting with a couple of guys the other day, like is these two or three cases were putting everyone, um, you know, move for the mind, um, mm. you know, at risk uh, yeah. and them not getting out and getting those endorphins at the gym and the stuff that they normally do. Not everyone wants to sit there and, do what I do and go on a 10k run to clear your head. Like they need their fit sessions, their, yeah, yeah. their hit sessions and all of that sort of stuff. So you need the guidance, need the equipment. That's know, right. And, and the routine. Yeah, of course. Oh, so much, so much of it is habit. Yeah. So much of it is habit. We'll talk about the counsel counseling thing in a minute. I think that's really interesting. Um, the gym thing's crazy. So as you'll be well aware and, know about me uh, jujitsu is a big part of my mental health process right my, yep. my if i don't have it i'm in trouble it's just a good 60 minutes where i don't think of anything other than not letting people pull my arms off or <laughs> choke me unconscious right so you're pretty focused at that point so we get locked down of course when you lock down the whole gym closes fair enough okay it's closed but they've opened it up again and it's two weeks of no physical contact Huh? Well, I'm like, so, and, and they, they're unsure of what they're supposed to be doing. And so it's like letter of the law kind of compliance with this place because they're a small business too. They can't afford to pay a fine. If someone comes in and says, you touch that person, it's $5,000 or whatever it is. So there's another layer of it, right? Where people, they're not going to your standard fitness gym, but they're doing something else yep. and can't do it. And it's happening with footy teams. But like a lot of the younger kids who are, would be getting their contact with other kids outside of school, 
is the local footy match. Yep. And, and, and they've gone the way of the dodo as well. Now, I don't know that there's an answer, but we don't yet understand the ramifications from a mental health perspective yet. Oh, it's huge. It's and I think we're going to see like COVID PSD, P- PTSD. 100%. Um, really interesting. You should look into um, John Brick Foundation, which is it's a US um, you know, foundation, but they did, uh, they've been doing massive studies into what, what they call move for the mind. And mm-hmm. I think the stats were like, uh, like 1,100 or 1,200 studies um, and 89% um, reported like a positive relationship between movement and mm-hmm. positive mental health outcomes as well. Of course. Um, also the ability to offset, you know, dementias and those sorts of things in older people. Yep. Big. Um, all of this sort of stuff yet. I mean, look, again, because it's a US based and I've been a lot of the stuff that I read and the other podcasts I listen to are US based as well. And, you know, at the moment there's just prescribed drugs, prescribed drugs, you know, sit there, you've got mental health, prescribed drugs, Yeah. get them going out and doing 45 minutes of exercise three times a week. And mm-hmm. that's the problem. Like, okay, we're allowed in Melbourne to do that. We're allowed out for an hour of exercise, but some people don't have that in them to like, you've got to have routine at the gym. You've got to do that. And this John Brick, um, move for the mind thing be really interesting. I don't know if jujitsu is in it, but it goes through everything from yoga to Tai Chi to swimming to, and they've done all of these studies to sit there and see how um, even women that uh, like uh, having uh, depression through, through pregnancy, if they swim, the stats have been shown that it actually improves and assists with that as well. Like there's just yeah, yeah. so much to do with it. I guess even with the counseling component, that's a, an area to move into, I think, that's a little bit untapped rather than just sitting there and, you know. Oh, definitely. Me, like, get out there. Go and do something. Go for a run. Oh. I go nuts if I don't run 30K a week. So that's that's my, that's my jiu-jitsu. No, of course. Yeah, and I can appreciate it. Like the run is high. Like I said to a mate recently that I'd still run if my knee wasn't bung. Like my, my knee doesn't like to run. My mind does. And I might work out a way around that at some point. But I know if I just try and clock in a, a 5K run, yeah, uh, there is there is payment due after after that. There's payment due, <laughs> mind you. I will let someone try and ruin my rotator cuff <laughs> in a grappling match. So there's no difference between putting a packet of ice peas on that rotator cuff or the knee, mate. Let's be honest. Pretty much, like I've I've justified this, okay, and I'm sticking to it for a little while longer. Love it, uh, love it. So, uh, what uh, what podcast number is this? I don't know, mate. Chat. I'm just putting it. I'm putting her in the bank. You could be, you could be number three. Okay. Do you like the number three? Uh, we used to be my footy number, actually. So oh, number you're num- You are number three. I'll just write this Magnificent. down. Magnificent. Cheshire comes in. Uh, I, I don't know. What were you half back um, flank like me? Where were you? Uh, more of a like you know a, a flighty wingman. You know, just oh. a big. Motor. Oh, flighty. I can see the flighty part of it for sure. <laughs> But you know, the, the, you, you hit on something a moment ago about movement. Um, I love this. Move for the mind such a good little moniker. I'm going to check That's it out. brilliant. I've started doing work. So I've just recently moved my clinic. But before I did, I was in an industrial area. This You're going to love this, right? So I'm in a little industrial uh, group of units, like 12 units or something, across the roads, the Land and Sea Brewery. Yep. And on the other side is the Noosa Chocolate Company. Oh, I think I know that little pocket. I've been around there. I've been to Land and Sea. That's nice. So it's just brilliant. I'm like, well, if you uh, maybe 
given what you're coming to see me for, don't go to the pub. Yep. And given what you're seeing before, don't go to the chocolate place. <laughs> but what I have been doing and I'm hoping to do now I'm closer to home and closer to the beach rather than uh, sort of in industrial areas, do a lot more walk and talk kind of work with people. It's gold. It is absolutely brilliant. And what's weird is just trying to sell it, like not, not sell it like a salesperson, but explain the benefit of it to people because they don't necessarily understand the difference of walking and talking with a professional that being different from walking and talking with a mate or a partner yeah. or something. Yeah, just, like, I'm here to listen and, and reflect stuff back. I'm not invested in what's going to happen because I'll get something out of it. Like your friends and your family are. So it, it is different. It becomes more familiar when you're walking with someone, but it's still a professional relationship. I, I, I've had great results with it. Yeah. That's great all. results. So I, I'm hoping that'll, um, That'll become part and parcel of it again as we move past whatever's happening now. But given that people, we've still got the masks, so we would be walking down the street next to each other with masks on, which is a bit weird for a therapeutic context. So it hasn't been a, If you've got a drink in your hand and you're drinking, you can't drink through your mask, so your mask can be down. So therefore, just have, have two bottles of water in your hand and just drop the mask. Young bloke's home, waving in the background. He's gone now. He's shy. Oh no, there he is. You're Whoa. on the internet. You're on the internet now, mate. Man, you're getting big. You won't even remember me coming and visiting, but you are big. Nah, he's getting huge. He's not interested. Why are you grabbing that, mate? You don't need that. Just Go and enjoy your donut. Wrestle with the mutt. Give, give her, a, put her in a headlock or something. Hang ten Wrestle. while you're chatting with him. Can I two sex? Yeah, mate. You can have as much time as you want. The young bloke's gone. I'll just I'll just entertain myself for a moment. We used to do a podcast, a mate, a mate of mine, uh, and myself did a podcast. Oh, almost pushing ten years. Wouldn't have been ten years, but somewhere between five and ten years ago. It's called Simplify My Small Business, and it was all just tips for small business people not to get confused and lost in the chaos. And we started recording it at the Triple R Studios, and we did a couple of call-ins with people and the phone in the background, like every minute goes boop, boop. And, and invariably everyone would say, what's that noise in the background? And it was a requirement in law. So they knew that they were being recorded, uh, being recorded or being a broadcast. Gotcha. No, I'm well aware that I'm getting recorded. That's fine. Yeah, you are. There's no way out. Verbal, not visual. So that's all good. Didn't have a shade. Oh, haven't had no, a haircut no, down here. So. It's all visual. Don't worry. We're going visual as well. Only snapshots, not not live. Like, not oh, mate, really? I'm going to post. I'm going to post the whole thing. You drinking that beer? Oh no! Don't do that. We'll yeah, the, the whole drink. lot. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. We're just going to just going to natural. Sell you into it, mate. Mm. That's the whole. That's the whole point, right? Like I've. I've, I haven't really cleaned up out the back here. I, I do have a doggy mat that dog has decided to vacate. I've put that there for her and she's not interested. Earlier today when I was talking to someone else, she just sat there the whole time and didn't move. She was... Good prop. Yeah, she was a good prop. She looked like someone had tranquilized her. It's quite amazing. So what moved you into this counselling pathway? Um, come about? So if we, I guess, simply work backwards over a couple of years... I, well, actually, not over a couple of years. I've, I've always, 
I think whenever you're in a management role, you're in a, hang on, I'll start again because you can edit this. No, 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 no. There's no editing. <laughs> uh, too much ho- effort, mate. Hospitality staff, I would sit there and say that baristas, especially barmen uh, that aren't working, you know, at hectic, crazy pace mm-hmm. uh, and hairdressers are probably the most underpaid counsellors in the oh. world. So technically, yeah, I, I know think, that firsthand as a yeah. barman uh, from in another life. So I've been, you know, counselling for 20 years, whether it mm-hmm. was, you know, Betty who'd come in in the morning and have her coffee and it was a bit quiet, you know, come to the cafe in Richmond and break down crying when she's getting her skinny latte because she's pretty sure her husband's having an affair with the uh, secretary and all that sort of stuff and mm-hmm. console and it'll be all right. And this, you know, this yeah. becomes an ongoing conversation. And of then course it does. Those sorts of things. Uh, people rely, like sometimes especially, they always say that in um, recessions, people still buy their coffee because it's their little reward and women will buy lipstick because they can't afford facials and those sorts of things. So when people are feeling down and that's their one reward and they love the fact that their barista already pre-knows their order and that sort of stuff, like there's a there's a bit of a relationship there. Yeah. And so I reckon I've been counselling since I was 21. But separate to that, uh, your staff and when you're in a management role and you're seeing people develop from those kids that are working a part-time job when they're back when I actually used to work with your lovely wife down at uh, Deco, you know, sit there and we were that more senior, but the younger ones coming through and then they turn 18, then they get smart enough to go and get degrees and not work in hospitality anymore, unless, unlike mugs like myself. Um you know, you, you get to sort of not counsel them, but guide them a little bit as well. Like there's a, there's a leadership role um, orientation there. Uh, local sports clubs, coaching, uh, seeing the development of uh, young blokes. I mean, I was, I don't like using the word bully because we all get bullied or pushed around in some way. The good thing was when we were back doing, having that happen to us at our age, there was no Facebook or anything like that. You just no. you know, got picked on in the yard or, you know, in my case, you know, my best mate, when he got hairs on his chest and I didn't, you know, just pushing me around or throwing my saxophone music up in the tree saying, when's your voice going to drop desert dick and all that sort of stuff. So, uh, you know, I, I sort of sit there and look at what I've gone through has been really interesting. And I, I love sitting there and, I guess trying to teach other people now, especially because it is uh, not counselling, but talking and being open about your feelings, especially from a male perspective. That's the another, you, you know, maybe you do or do. We, we've spoken about it, but as far as the podcast goes, the reason for getting into it is very much a men's mental health or let's say male um, mental health perspective. And that can range from anyone that, you know, someone that's going through puberty late, and feels like they're not quite part of the group but not only that now they get bullied on social media all the way through to you know guys we know the statistics with male suicide and those sorts of things and i think the the trigger point for me with actually going you know what i actually need to do this i need to do something that i'm passionate about um was i had a couple of mates commit suicide in the space of two weeks around my 40th birthday Mm friend from school and a friend from the footy club and then I had a good friend of mine at my 40th birthday when I got the news and two days later he rang me and said you're not going to believe it but my brother's just hanged himself in London so 
and I'd met his brother at his wedding in Bali, ripping bloke. And mm-hmm. you, know, you just don't quite know. No one really knows what's going on in everyone's head, sometimes least of all your own. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think I've never been an academically motivated person. Studying is hard. Uh, mm-hmm. I've got, I think I've got great social um, street smarts. Yep. So, but it's time to sit there and actually get back into it and, and learn a little bit more of what underlies between being a really good listener, communicator and, and serve others as well. I mean, I don't want to be being a maitre d' on a floor serving wine and, and steak. And even to that, that's a certain, it's not counselling, please don't take it the wrong way, but it is serving others. It's providing an experience. It's providing, you know, something special that people look forward to. Um, it's a great gift in hospitality, but I think I'd rather serve others from a more of a mental and guidance perspective moving forward. Um, and let's be honest, it's a, it's a big growth industry as well too. I mean, you know, hospitality, hospitality is erratic, crazy. You deal with lunatics, alcoholics, drug addicts, chefs, misogynists, uh, you know, all the fun people. So just try not to get dragged too much by them one way. So um yeah and so that, hope they don't come into your clinic yeah yeah exactly so didn't i work with you somewhere so yeah yeah so yeah so i guess that in a nutshell is the direction of or, or the reason of going the direction of counseling i've probably invested myself a little bit too much into hospitality again one because relatively good at it and feel confident doing it mm-hmm. uh whereas sometimes with the study i'll start getting into it. I'm like, Oh geez, this is, this is a little bit, not too heavy, but it's very dense reading really about Freud and you know, all of these, you know, you've really got to get into that. And it's not mm-hmm. something you can do over an hour and then come back to it. No, you've not got Freud to, or you're dedic- yeah, oh, you've got to deep dedicate dive. time. Yeah. So deep dive. And then you get into Skinner. You get, mm-hmm. have you read any, read any Skinner stuff here or the behavioralist stuff? No, just getting into that at the moment. So it's just interesting these phases of uh, sort of psychological theory, because yeah. no one had no one had really tried to work out what was really going on until Freud came along. It kind of everyone's out on the fringes, right? And then Freud tries to put it all together, and you know, God love him, it's not really stood the test of time, but it's definitely got. It definitely started people thinking about it. And that's it. Like, and the actual unit at the moment is talking about, you know, creating, you need to respect what he did because it is a, a foundation of, mm-hmm. and very outdated because going mm-hmm. into like an industrial revolution where you were pretty much told you were an adult by six or seven working out in the yeah. fields uh, until it started to become that situation where, oh, geez, hang on, we actually need, adolescents and, and young people getting an education so they can move into different skill sets. But you start, and again, I'm only just touching on the edges of this at the moment because it's it's the unit that I'm on, but it's interesting to sit there and note that a lot of the progressive stuff, sit there and say 1960 or 1970, and it's like 10 years before I was born. That's only 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. So it's amazing how fresh. quickly and, and fresh it is, but also how... Um, rapidly it's expanding and changing now as well and that's probably with the assistance like you know the internet's got its pros and cons everything's got its pros and cons but it does certainly speed up everything Mm. and if we can speed up if we can find some positive ways of getting 
more information like that from a positive perspective instead of internet being used for bullying and all of that sort of stuff. It's, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, it, you know, it's the human nature. We invent something that's wonderful and we find a way to subvert it and make it awful. And then you've just got two sides of the one coin. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know that the internet will ever get cleaned up. I mean, the last no. conversation I had was got, went down this path of how the blockchain is going to clean up the internet and my mind almost went... <clears throat> <laughs> but that was fine like okay i can see that there are ways that things could happen and you know i'm a realist leaning towards being an optimist i just don't know what that solution is to get the, the you know that bullying nature and that one-upmanship off the internet at the moment and i'm thankful that i don't that i didn't grow up with that oh with you know, my schoolyard uh times were, were not enjoyable and I, to, to have had that then come home as well and not ever turn off because the internet's always there and people continue talking. I don't think that would be something that I would have enjoyed very much. Yeah, I was the same to sit there and realize that, you know, regardless of school being, you know, again, using that term loosely bullying, but those sorts of situations that you found yourself uncomfortable and, um, you know, uh, it, it was difficult to sit there and, like, go through it. But you come home, I'd kick the footy, you know, against the wall or across the road with my mate mm -hmm. from across the road and all of that disappears before, you know, old school mum calls in for dinner or, you know, all that sort of stuff. Go but, ride a bike. Yeah, ride the BMX doing time trials around the blocks of Surrey Hills and Mont Albert. It's that sort of stuff instead of coming home and jumping on your social media and seeing someone, you know, making a comment or tagging you or it, yeah, it's, it's, it's and pretty. Just that, yeah. Now there's such a big fear of missing out as well. So oh, like, it's terrible. if you don't have the device cause your parents are trying to help you out, then you miss out on all those conversations and you can get excluded from the social events that are real world because you haven't been participating online. I've, I've seen young ladies, especially for that in clinic, not for that, but it's come up in clinic. That See, if you're not active online, then you miss out on the actual real world contact as well. And I'm like, my, my greatest desire when Facebook first started was that it would connect people in a new way. Like it would add connection. Yep. Not kind of what's happened where it's like done something different to the connection. That's not necessarily positive. Yeah, it's, um, it's interesting talking uh, because, again, reading and while it being mildly fresh in my mind from, from reading what I'm doing at the moment and talking about how the, um, like a lot of young boys communicate on through gaming. Like I'm not a gamer. I think the last time I played a game was Super Mario Brothers, grab the mushroom and jump over things. Yeah, pretty much. Snake on the original first mobile. Yeah, original snake. I, I was trying to explain to Will the other day how amazing Space Invaders was. Galaga, that was good. Didn't oh, mind that. that. Was great. <laughs> but yeah, that's probably about hating ourselves now, aren't we? Yeah, exactly. So talking about I don't know whatever these games are that they all play, and but they communicate, and they were saying that for people that aren't great communicators, it gives them an outlet to do that and build mm -hmm. social groups and those sorts of things. So, you know, it, it is always going to be a double-edged sword. It's the same as COVID. Like COVID's a disaster, but you've got to try and I'm a glass half full person. So I generally do try and 
even with this lockdown, focus on the cans instead of the cannots, like, you know, sit there and work out what we can do, yeah, what we absolutely. can work on. And I think it, it's, you have to do that or you just drive yourself mad. Completely, completely. And so my mum uh, works at a, a secondary school, uh, quite high up astute in, in this area, in, in the private school belt of Campbell LQ. It's been really tough for her because she has cherished and always enjoyed seeing her year 10s become year 11s, year 11s become year 12s, graduate. They get their moment in the sun. They get their final concert. They get their formal. They get all of those things, all the photos mm -hmm. and all the fun things that we had. Mm -hmm. Then you probably get to go on schoolies. You might get to go on a gap year. All of the things that are being missed out on at mm -hmm. that end. There's, there's a real lack of that. You know, if you want to get into the technical stuff, the inability to travel and grow in as an adult within one year and all of a sudden, you know, you've got this worldliness because you've gone and done the gap year. It's interesting on the flip side, chatting with a lot of my friends that have had kids in this lockdown period and their partner has been at home due to lockdown instead mm -hmm. of being at work. Right. And the relationship of newborns in their first 12 months with let's call it a father. And, you know, I know a lot of women are the breadwinner. My mum was, so that's fine. But all of a sudden seeing the relationship, talking with, I've got a lot of female friends and they basically sat there and said, it's just amazing to see um, daughter or, or son have that relationship with their dad mm -hmm. because he's around instead of out there all the time. So that's surely got to be some form of positive out of COVID of sitting there and these yeah, definitely. generation of coming through all of a sudden having this relationship said the relationship that like, don't get me wrong. I love my dad, but my dad became TC and my mate at 18 when well, beauty, let's go to the G bung and have a beer. You know, it wasn't as if we were instead of sort of sitting there, maybe from one to five going, who's the funny guy with the beard? Like he's around yeah, yeah, yeah. a little bit. So he's, he's here every now and then. Yeah. I think that was our generation though, mate. Like I, I didn't have a close relationship with my dad until I was an adult and we became mates. I just think it's a, a consequence of being born in the seventies, maybe into the early eighties. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, Gen X, right. Where our parents came from that post-war baby booming era where they were taught radio now's the time to make hay because we all just you know we just beat the germans <laughs> for us for the second time so you know let's let's grow stuff let's be industrial let's work hard so my dad did you know that's what my dad did both his parents came over from poland after the war so he knew nothing other than hard work didn't he didn't really get the best example of being a dad but he got a very solid example of working hard. So he did. And I love him for it. I just didn't have a close relationship with him when I was a kid. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was very much the same, but as I said, like all of a sudden 18 become best mates because you can sink a few jars with each other. And it's amazing seeing because dad is heavily involved with local sporting clubs, mm -hmm. um, which is, I think it teaches being around young people at his age, like, he learns a lot more than a lot of people his age that only hang around with people that are his age, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, of course. All of a sudden last year when I started, you know, dear friend of mine, Craig Turton, who's probably going to be nearly our first episode on our podcast. Um, he works with a men's mental health charity called hundred words, mate to mate. 
and dad and I started talking about 100 words mate to mate and all of a sudden dad turned around and said, well, the suicide statistics, you know, seven out of or eight out of 10 males are between 20. I'm like, where do you know this? He's like, I listen to stuff up at ball and footy club when people are talking. So all of a sudden he's getting re-educated as a 70-odd-year-old. Mm-hmm. And, and it's great. It, it's nice to see that, you know, old dogs can not learn new tricks. Well, actually, no, they can learn new tricks. Yeah, of course they can. And it's Just great to have you as, as my dad now, as well as a best mate that doesn't mind, you know, a couple of jars or maybe the odd bottle of red wine. So, No, it's, it's good to have that. I mean, I really appreciate the relationship I've got with my dad now. It's just, it's matured. I was, I, I was saying in my men's group that, um, so I've, I don't know what, four, pushing five years, I've met with the same men sort of every fortnight for four or five years. It's a very tight bond. Talk, you know, like nothing's taboo. Everything's fully supported. It's like this little safe space to talk and ask for help if you need it. But I remember one day sitting there and saying, I just... Uh, realized when my relationship with my dad changed was when I worked out that I wasn't a child anymore. And like, I'm probably at that point, I'm probably 40 already. Right. I work, I don't have to keep seeing my dad as the adult and me as a child and approach him with this kind of reverence, uh, age reverence, you know, like I can respect him, but I don't have to have this like age thing. So now we can connect so he'll come to me and ask for stuff. And I'm like, holy yeah. shit. Yeah, like we can actually, oh, that's right. You know, I'm, I'm mid forties now. That, got that, some life experience. Amazing reversal where you almost become the parent in the situation sometimes. It's, uh, yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Because how can you not have different knowledge that you can share? But that was a huge thing for me to work out why for such a long time as an adult, I had this really weird relationship, not a completely loving relationship, but from my perspective, weird, like I, I hadn't put the last piece of the puzzle in. Yep. No, I agree. That, Definitely. It so so it's, it's, it, um, father-son relationships are complex beasts. It takes a long time. and I, I'm the same. It took a long time before, uh, you know, I call bullshit. You know, it's like, no, nah, you're wrong there, mate. Sorry. Yeah. And, and these days, like, we watch a game of football and, you know, he's still so old school. He's like... Why are they handballing so much? It's called football. Kick the thing. It's like don't handball in the back line. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's funny, but uh, yeah, you do. You start to as as you say, like the the relationship evolves. And I was probably the same. I reckon I was probably maybe well, you know, forty now. But I reckon it would have been when I moved back from Brisbane, maybe like 33, 34 was that point where it's like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, no, nah, this has changed. So yeah, no, nah, it's good. It is good. Uh, I, I tell you, the whole footy thing is hilarious because clearly I've, you know, I've turned into a Queenslander now and I, I'd lost my taste for Aussie rules football well before coming up here. Just the game had changed so much from what I grew up with. Yeah. And I can appreciate it for what it is, but to me it looks like, you know, 30-odd Ruck Rovers running around after a football. So it's not the kind of, the, you know, I used to like the, the game that had a spine. Yeah. In terms of positional spine right and you know footballers rather than athletes if that makes any sense yep and i just used to dig that now the opposite was true for me when when i'd look at rugby league back in the 80s that i didn't understand the game number one but they were more interested in clobbering each other than going for the football 
on anything that we saw in Victoria, because there was always a highlight package where there was another fight, right? You know, exactly. Penrith and 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 Parramatta are at it again. So we get this skewed view. But anyway, uh, before the last before the last shit fight of red zones and COVID lockdowns, mum and dad actually made it up here for a week and a half. And I was watching rugby, and dad's like, I can't, I can't, I don't understand what's going on. It's uh, no, nah, they're all just thugs. And I'm like, just watch the game because you need to watch the game long enough to appreciate what's happening in the game because you can't look at league through an AFL lens because it doesn't make sense. Not at all. You can't understand strategy. You can't understand a reason that one big unit will just run straight at a couple of guys. It, that like, and it's not until you've been watching it for a while that you can get it, but his, he was adamant. Whereas my mum sat next to me and she's like, why is that a penalty? What, what happened there? What's that number on the score? Yeah, it's, like, it's a bit more objective. Yeah, she, and, and I think that mum's interest was that I was interested. But dad's like, no, nah, I'm just going to read a book. <laughs> well, I really got, uh, dad really mucked me over, or I won't swear there, but fairly pissed off with him yeah. for the fact that. Um, you can go for it, mate. Drop it. Being born in Brisbane, he made me a Broncos supporter. But not, then. It's not good at the moment. No, and then made me a. D's supporter in the AFL. So, look, the, the D's are looking great this year, but it's been a lot of heartache to 41 years of age. I did get to see some good stuff with the Broncos, but it just, you know, could have been, I mean, obviously the Brisbane Lions weren't around at that stage, but, uh, yeah, it's, mm. it'd be nice if the D's go a little bit further this year. We'll wait and see. Just one game at a time. One game at a time. Oh, the old one game at a time. It's all we can do. Yeah, the Broncos are an interesting unit. That's That was... Uh, it's been an exercise in watching how to not manage a masculine organization. Correct. And so really, really interesting. I, and going back before we, I mean, we could dig into that. Going back to the D's, I can remember talking about, talking to a lady um, would have been in and around the time that Essendon and Melbourne played in the grand final. So that's 2000, right? So it's a while ago. It was. So Essendon, that, you know, who, who I've, I've followed since day dot, haven't done shit for 20 years either. Um, but shit, that was so they kind of, the, the D's kind of had a purple patch at that point. And, and she was like, they're going to win something. And I, and I said to her, look, I'll tell you why they're not going to win a grand final in the near future. And she was devastated. She actually walked out. This was at a party. And I was having a, what I thought was a normal adult conversation, but she got really upset with me because I told her that Melbourne weren't going to win anything. And I said, they don't have a winning culture. No. And they have no one in the leadership group who's done it before. They haven't brought in anyone external that can take them to that next little, little step, which is the same thing that used to happen to Footscray, who became the Western Bulldogs. They kept everything in-house and no one had, well, they had the cattle. They just didn't have the, the people. I've got little fruit flies buzzing around here. They just didn't have... Um, you know, like the organizational structure, the leadership to take them to the next little bit. And then when they got it, lo and behold, look what happens. Oh, yeah, we got flogged. It's amazing. You know, and then it, it just comes down to having the right people. Just that's it. Surround yourself with the right people. And then you look yeah. at Brisbane, where we started, right? Yeah. And you see what they've been doing. What they, they moved two kids they got rid of that are future superstars. And they sent them both off, what, you know, one to the Warriors, one to the Roosters. And both of them should be like, what are you, what, like, 
That's right. It's just so somewhere up the top, they lost they lost their way. The culture got a bit sideways, and then there's the ramifications of it. Leadership. It's interesting, you know, that ability to manage because it's become so corporate. Now I find it funny, like even constantly, and I, it does get heightened either side of the borders. But even just looking at NRL and their management techniques, uh, they're I've got some dear friends that are AFL player managers and, you know, it's quite astute with when they're getting interviewed, how they talk, how they respond to things, all of that sort of stuff when they get in a little bit of trouble down here. But just the frequency of stupidity of NRL players, you just wonder whether it's ever going to get beaten out of them, pun intended, Um, you know, so. I don't know. I don't think that's what they're paid for. I mean, you you would hope at some point that that there is a little bit more education in and around that, but I think that there is still some appreciation and desire for that larrikin kind of craziness that was so, you know, like through the 60s and 70s in league. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's it's not necessarily helpful, but at some level, I think there's still an attraction to that. But it's, it's interesting moving into it and not having grown up with it just to see how it, how it all operates. Yeah. To be continued. Yeah, who knows? It's interesting. The leadership things are, I mean, there's a can of worms that you can jump into and converse about for a long time. Given that we've been talking about mental health and wellness and everyone's got like a wellness person now, aside from, you know, not just in footy teams, right? Like organisations have this person. Yeah, yeah. I um, I listened to an amazing podcast the other day and it will... Will uh, the imperfects? So I don't know if you've heard them. So Hugh, yeah. I think it's Hugh Van Kylenberg. Oh yeah, yeah, yep. Um, and anyway, they had uh, Ben. I think his name's Ben Crow. So he's the guy that works with Ash Barty and all of those people. And it, it, it's a really interesting one. And like it was before I listened to it, it was paraphrased to me by another friend as to what the podcast was about and just them separating their life as a elite athlete and just being a human mm-hmm. and just often you hear ash's responses to you know how's the pressure and she's like well what pressure i'm not putting any pressure on myself and those sorts of things and uh, you're right every club now has that you know wellness coach and sports psychs and those sorts of things it's absolutely fantastic so mm. um it's great if you've got it obviously and, and you're in an industry that has it there's it's probably disappointing that I mean, hospitality has the bigger corporations have HR, but we could definitely do with a few wellness, uh, you know, people floating around uh, the cafes and, you know, restaurants of Melbourne at the moment, that's for sure. Yeah, it'd be helpful. It'd be helpful. And, you know, there's probably an opportunity, but mental health is such a, look, it's such a strange world in and of itself uh, because a lot of these things exist, but people won't reach out to them and, and go for it. Like I could, and anyone else could say, all right, you know, Monday, seven o'clock, it's industry night. You know, it's, it's get on a call and have a chat. We're locked down. Who gives a shit? Let's uh, play video games together, whatever. Right. Like there's, but people don't jump on board with that kind of stuff. No, they don't. And it's one of those, I mean, I think nearly everyone, maybe they haven't heard that um, the old saying that, you know, you'll invest, um, you, you do an injury you'll sit there and go and see your physio and do all that sort of stuff. Yet your brain's the most important 
part of the body and you're, and you're not investing in making sure that that's being looked after. You service your car, but you don't service your mind because all of a sudden there's that, there's that stigma attached. Yep. I mean, I don't want to get into the whole like, you know, vulnerability, Brene Brown, you know, that's, that's another probably, you know, half hours worth or a couple of hours worth of chatting, but it is, it's that, um, well, you know, with her sitting there, like you've got to be the ability to be open and show up sure. and sit there and go, you know what, I'm actually going to go and see a, a, a mental health coach or, or whatever. Oh, you're crazy. It's like, no, you're not crazy. You're actually just, you're servicing the most important part of your body. It's really yeah. important. Or else you just go the um, the Mad Hatter route, and you're like, "Well, we're all crazy here." <laughs> That's it, exactly. Yeah, I I, I, I found um, as, a, as a practitioner in this space, it's been it's been a very interesting time because there's this one. The, I mean, the government have done a wonderful thing by setting up these mental health plans, where you can go to your GP and you can get between five and 10 sessions that will be subsidized, if not covered by Medicare, which is wonderful. However, there is a very small and narrow, I should say narrow field that you can draw from if you want to use that particular. So it's psychologists and probably mental health social workers. You don't get to see a counselor. You can't see a hypnotherapist. You couldn't see a psychotherapist from some other realm. And as, so as we know, not, not one shoe fits all. So, you know. Exactly right. Exactly right. Now, you know, I've, I've talked about this before. When we were a little bit into the sort of first big three-month-ish lockdown that we had, when it was like the world's changed, uh, might have been a bit after that uh, because of the ramifications that and everything got a little uncertain. I said, to, I said to my GP, look, there's nothing inherently wrong with me, but I feel like I want to talk to someone is a mental health plan something that makes sense? And she's like, yeah, perfectly good idea. You should talk to someone like, here are the p- people that are on my list. I'll write it all out, blah, blah, blah. And I went and talked to this guy and he, not really any use at all. Yeah. And, and I want to say that he was, and I want to say maybe he was dialed in um, and knew that there wasn't a lot that was wrong with me, but he just kept saying, there's no process. And I'm like, but I'm not here to hear that there's nothing to do. Like you need to, like, he wouldn't even ask a question so he could talk. He would just sit there and I just feel uncomfortable. And I'm like, so this is my experience of a mental health plan is just having a guy look at me. I don't like, but what are my other, what are my other options? Do I go back to my doctor and find the next person? Do I just keep hopping? It's ironic you say this and share this. So that was exactly the same with my experience. I was very much, um, and I'll, I'll sit there and say that, you know, everyone has levels of anxiety and those sorts of things, but last year was heightened. A lot to do with the fact I'd slipped a disc in my back. I could walk more than 200 oh, metres. So therefore, uh, you know, that ability to <laughs> move for the mind, but but running yeah. was taken away from me. And yeah, I was yeah, of course. crazy. And then when you can't run, you're locked down, you're drinking more wine, that doesn't help your anxiety. And I thought, you know what, now's time to sit there. There's the mental health, you know, plan available, government, all of this sort of stuff. And, you know, I wasn't batshit crazy, but certainly thought, let's go and have a chat with someone. Of course. And I was a bit the same. I sort of walked in and what I'll be honest, the most rewarding part of the whole scenario was having the bravery to speak to my doctor about it. Yep. And actually getting it rather than the process of going and chatting with this person that said, 
have you thought about, you know, doing some meditation or this? And oh, Yep. Yes, I do meditation. Yes, I've got a monkey mind. Yes, that's helping with that. Uh, you know, provide me with something else. And then by third session, it was, uh, it wasn't bad, but it was, as you said, what do you do? Do you go back and go, that person didn't work. Can you reassign me to someone else to find the right person? By that stage, I've got to fifth or sixth person in line. And then, I've it, yeah, you're right. It, and it is very narrowed. So... Um, yeah, it, it makes it a little bit tricky mm. sometimes. Yeah, look, I, I really want it to work. And I know some people have had really good results. I had a doctor call me up. This is, this is the flip side of it as a practitioner. A doctor called me up. I mean, it, uh, you're a hypnotherapist? Yes, I'm a hypnotherapist. I'm interested in how you can help my patients. Okay, do you work with doctors? Yes, I work with doctors. Can you work on a mental health plan? No, I can't. Uh, uh, you should know that I can't do that because I'm not, a psychologist i'm not a clinical psychologist so i can't offer that oh okay so no rebates i said no i can't offer rebates in that way because that's just not the way it it hangs together i felt like saying because your ama and the apa don't allow it you know like that's not my fault how much do you charge so i told her my fees and she just went thank you yeah put the put the phone down so this doctor had made a decision on whether I was worth a certain amount of money in an instant and decided not to pass the opportunity or not even the opportunity. I'm not trying to say there's an opportunity there, but not the option to her patient. But people are making decisions at so many different levels about who someone can go and see. And then, and that is, when someone has decided to ask the doctor for help, right? I've had a couple of doctors come to me and go, oh, that's what hypnosis is. Okay, so it's, it's that. I'm like, look, it's just like, it's not magic. It's just because people don't understand it, they call it magic. Yeah. You know, it's why Isaac Asimov was talking about that, you know, like any, any superior technology looks like magic to someone who just doesn't understand it. Well, yeah. So maybe this is, you know, brain technology. I don't understand everything that goes on with it. I don't understand people's response. I've seen some weird shit that happens when people are in trance. But I know the mechanism by which that's happening. Like they're relaxed and they're focused and something's processing at some kind of level that's not normal. I, like one of my mates, when I was practicing, his hand started floating and he smacked himself in the head and his hand dropped. And I mean, he hit himself hard in the head. And I'm like, he's got to clearly wake up. He didn't even know. So afterwards, he didn't even know he'd done it. Yeah, wow. You know, so like there's just layers of stuff going on and you move outside of hypnosis because people hear the word and they shut down. They just, I don't get it. I can't lie. It's like, la, 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 la. Um, but, you know, there's even, even the simpler stuff. We don't understand everything. So because of that, it has this, has this weird feeling about it. Like, well, what's going to work for me? Well, we don't know what's going to work for you. Right. Basically, what we've got to do is we, we form a therapeutic relationship and we try and work it all out. You know, I, I don't know if I told you this. I, I might have. I had a seven-year-old boy and his mum come in. He's been wetting the bed his whole life. And kids are the best to work with, with trance work because they're in and out of trance the whole time, especially at seven. They live in, this, they live in a daydream. It's the most beautiful state. And... 
so he came in and he didn't really quite know why he was there. And, and all I did in this process in the first session was just let him know that it was all okay. Like it, whatever's happening for you now, it's fine. Whatever anyone tells you, it doesn't matter. It's fine. And at the end I asked him what he wanted to do and he had no idea of how he could fix it. So I'm like, all right, mate, you do that. That'll be good. Comes in the next sessions, went to bed less. And he had no interest in participating in the second session. So I said to him, it's all right, mate, you play over there. I'll just talk to your mum." So we had a conversation that he heard everything. Never wet the, never wet the bed again. <laughs> uh, just like, whoa. And I'd said to her, look, bedwetting is an interesting one because sometimes it comes up that, you know, something has happened at some point they have to resolve. Uh, there might be pressure in the house that you're not even aware of. Like just a whole heap of stuff. There's just like too many parameters. I'm like five, maybe five, 10 sessions you might be looking at which is not a lot in psychology because i mean that'd be entry level for most psychologists right but because it's hypnotherapy people think you come in once and it's done so yeah two sessions this kid hasn't went to bed again and that was this i didn't induce a trance he wasn't he was in and out of trance because he's a kid i didn't ever once say anything like you can stop wearing the bed now jeez i should have got I should have got you down to the skinny dog when we were like 21, 22, because I had a few mates that tended to wet the bed, but that might have just been from attacking happy hour too hard. Who knows? So. Oh, yeah. Well, there are some things you can't work with. <laughs> the, the, the one that's really difficult for me is when people come in and they want to adjust their relationship with alcohol. Adjust? They yeah, they don't want to stop drinking. Yeah, but okay. they know that the way they're drinking at the moment isn't great. And because it's not binary, it's like, well, so where, like, do you want to have one drink a night and stop at one? Cause that's, that's a clear thing. Like we can measure that. We can test that. Oh, I want to be, you know, like I want to know to like, stop when I feel good. Well, that's going to be different on different days. So like we need some specificity here. Whereas smoking is great with hypnosis because people want to go from, I am smoking to, I am not smoking. Correct. They want to turn off. All right. So you have you made the decision? Yes. All right. Well, here's a process. Stop smoking. Bang. Done. Thanks for coming. But the 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 alcohol one, challenging. Massively challenging, especially your mindset, your body, all of that sort of stuff. A great example. And I would say for a number of years, and that's this hospitality component that we were speaking about before, like the ability to be a functioning alcoholic, and that. Those words always sound scary to people, but it's amazing how many people are actually just functioning alcoholics. Oh, and that's yes. not the need to get up in the morning and have a shot of vodka or something like that. But it is that I've, I'll reward myself at the end of the day and I'll make, you know, seven days a week of having a drink. But I can certainly handle my booze quite well. But to sit there like your, you know, people that are coming to see you and say, oh, I only want one drink or drink until I feel good couple of weeks ago and we'd had a massive come out of lockdown service period over a weekend and I'd normally be good for three glasses of wine and half a dozen beers and feel relatively normal and I went out after work on that Sunday I had two glasses of Pinot and then I shared a bottle of wine with a friend over dinner I can't really remember what we spoke about over dinner Mm. because my body was at a stage where it's like you're knackered you're you're absolutely wrecked so it's, yeah, it's a huge slippery slope to sit there and say, oh, no, well, I only want to have one drink or drink until I feel comfortable. And, and it doesn't work like that. 
It's mm. like I've had some dear friends that are recovering alcoholics and um, and drug addicts and those sorts of things. And a couple of them have been that, oh, we'll get back to a stage where we just have one every now and then. We just, it's like, no, you, you actually, your decision is to live and never, ever drink again, or it is to keep chipping away and your liver will shut down. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah it's a very interesting dynamic addiction and um i mean i i approach all this stuff from a habit point of view but it's yeah. it's not the only part it's of the equation um it's, it's yeah whoa layers mate layers have you read uh james clear's book atomic habits got it in the bookshelf i think how good just as a great example of, of positive and negative habit stacking is just absolutely outstanding. Mm-hmm. The amount of people that I preach that book to is just, it is brilliant. I can't recommend yep. it enough. Oh, it's, yeah, it is. Um, I remember seeing that on a bookshelf and going, hang on a moment. This is an interesting title. And then I like how it explained atomic, mm. you know, how it's like, about the structure of habits and getting down to that level, but also it being a big thing. And oh, I see what you're going on about here, James. Yeah, correct. But, but a lot of people won't pick it up. I, I've um, for years, I mean, for years I've said wellness is a habit. Without a doubt. Years. But some people are just like, can I, can, can I just do it for a little while? They're like, no, that's called a yo-yo diet. Well, it's, you know, it's funny, like the, <clears throat> the yo-yo diet, you sit there and say, and people, oh, can we just do this or can we just do that? And um, it's that, because uh, I love reading my books, I love, I hate using the term self-help. I, I think that's a, you know, it's a pretty outdated word, but mm-hmm. books like Atomic Habits, I think are really good. And I actually did a, it's very fortunate for Christmas, a dear friend of mine gave me a 12-week training program with his personal trainer. And the deal was that you'd do, Every like uh, double diamond program, uh, Jay was absolutely fantastic. But you would have to drink your three liters of water a day. You trained it six out of seven days a week. Mobility, you would have to uh, meditate, read half an hour, cold shower, and there might have been oh gratitude diary. So there's the seven, and see if you could actually over twelve weeks tick off enough boxes to do ninety percent. Think I did eighty seven. I was already doing the cold showers thanks to another friend of mine that when I had my back injury, um, mm-hmm. Brad Riddle at Hurt Locker was absolutely amazing. Like he sat there, he's like, need you to do this, need you to do that. And then, you know, before I know it, 11 months later, I'm running a half marathon. So thanks, Brad. But uh, bo- both of those boys, you know, sitting there and talking about creating wellness and habit stacking wellness habits. So all of a sudden, get up in the morning and do your mobility or your yoga, depending what you like mm-hmm. doing your meditation and then a cold shower and just gradually starting that that's my routine every morning now just because i yep. started to stack one on top of the other and it's a game changer whether that Huge. cold shower is fixing a hangover or just actually fit, making your body feel amazing or it's sometimes a little bit easier in melbourne if i've gone for a 5k run and you're then having the cold shower rather than just getting straight out of bed into it yeah oh, and i'm not oh, a pure dear. wim hoffist or if that's not even a term but wim hoffer yeah. I mean, I mean, I even love, you've got your softer, 
your Brené Brown vulnerability, blah, blah, blah. And then on the flip side, because I love my marathons and my extremism, I love listening to your, um, you know, your David Goggins and your Jocko Willings. And if you can just yeah. mesh it all kind of in the middle together somewhere, it's pretty good. I mean, Jocko's, you know, Jocko's I can't take off his voice, but, you know, he sits there and talks about, you know, getting better, you know, there's no quick fix to it. Like it's a campaign, he says, and he's right. So that campaign starts with stacking good habits. It starts with creating that process, whether it's hourly, whether it's, you know, it. I think it's a big thing. It's huge. I mean, I remember someone did it. It was a, I think it was a retired colonel, did a commencement speech and. Oh, make your bed. How good. Yeah. Oh. And if, and if all else fails and you've had a shit day, at least you know there's a bed made to come home to. Oh, how good is that? It's fantastic statement. It's brilliant, that speech. I do that. That's, I literally start my day with making the bed. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, I didn't do it for a long time either. <laughs> I do it. Like, and the interesting, like, I've been you know, getting all this equipment down here to get the recording sorted out and everything. I had to throw some shit around in the bedroom but I had a little bit of space on the bed because the bed was made. So there's a little pile of stuff, but that wouldn't have happened if the bed had been everywhere. Correct. You know, like, so it just, it, sometimes it's like just that really little thing. And it made, it made some part of the day easier. Yep. But for me, it's, I ticked a box, you know, like I did something right next, next thing. And I can't remember which one of them it is. Cause again, listening to a lot of them, um, or it might even, I'm trying to think, maybe it was the mindset mentor. One of them basically sat there and said, like, the first failure of the day you can make is hitting the snooze button. Oh, yeah. So, again, that habit stack of, well, let's be realistic with your alarm. I'm lucky. I don't need an alarm to wake up. Like, I'm just set to that timer of sort of waking up at, you know, 10 to 6 most mornings. I want to get up and run beforehand. I will set an alarm. So, let's call it 6 o'clock. But... Don't set unrealistic alarms when you know you're not going to get up at that time. Like, of course not. If you've got to be up and deliver what you need to deliver before you go and start your day and it's that 6.30, then set it for 6.30. Don't set it for 6.15 because you think you might get an extra 15 minutes done in your day. But don't hit snooze. There's your first habit. Next habit, make your bed. Next habit, have your cold shower or meditate or do whatever it is you do. Probably yeah. don't jump on social media. It's not the best way to start the day. But no, it's probably not. You know, if you're single and lonely, maybe jump on your Hinge account, see if anyone's written back to you. So, tick. You know what? <laughs> For the longest time, my process became get up and make a coffee. Yep. Because I don't know if you just saw that. The head yeah. came around the corner. Gold. There he is again. Mind you, there was a sign on the front door that said, do not disturb. So this is, this is Parenting 101. And how you laugh at your teenage son when he doesn't listen to you. You need to teach him. To, I don't know if you remember the Jim Owen show. I love Jim Owen. He was fantastic. And the walking down the, um, the stairs. So just behind you where that window is, he could literally just do the kind of, yep. He could just be the comic <laughs> relief. Exactly. Where were we before the young man interrupted us? Uh, we were talking about making oh. coffees as your first so, of the morning. So I used to get involved in this whole process and got the V60 out and the filter and weighed everything. And 
at the end of it, I get a lovely coffee. But the thing was, it gave me something to focus on first thing in the morning. So I got the, yep. got, the brain, got the brain moving, got me moving, have to measure everything. And there's a process and it's kind of meditative and it's mindful because I want to do it right because I don't want to yep. have a shit coffee first thing in the morning. Uh, and then I get to sit down for five minutes and have the coffee, which is my little circuit breaker. And I can let my mind do its thing for five minutes. So I've had some peace and quiet before the crazy commences. Yeah. Now that's stopped lately. It's not a bad thing either because Eric has learned how to use the espresso machine. Andy. So, so I get a coffee before I even get out of bed some mornings. Bingo. Thanks for coming. But the process was lovely for a while there. And it, this process is good too. Don't get me wrong. I don't want it to stop in a hurry. But having something like that's really nice where you, like your first two or three steps of every morning are the same. Yeah. Predictable. And so there is a level of comfort and familiarity before the day kicks you in the face. Yeah. I must admit, like I've never had a coffee machine at home because in hospitality, you've got coffee at work. So, and you drink so much generally when you're around a machine, you clock in anywhere from five to 12. Uh, you know, you, you, that's a lot of shots of coffee. You don't need one that at is, home. No, you didn't. I, I did during my period out of hospo through lockdown last year and working in, um, in residential building, I got to see the other side of the coin as to how that routine of getting your first coffee in the morning was from a cafe uh -huh. and how frustrating it was if the coffee was crap, oh. uh, all, all sorts of things. Oh. It was really, really interesting to all see. the, the services, you know, like you don't want the service to be crap first thing in the morning. You want yeah, someone someone's giving you attitude, which was probably me at some stage in my last 20 years. So oh, for sure. And none of us are perfect. So No, no I've had that. Um, I'm not going to name the cafe locally, but I've had the, the experience lately where depending on who serves, the price changes a little bit and the amount of coffee that comes out in the filter changes a little bit as well and i'm like it, it's a filter coffee it's i paid for a large one you've put it into the machine the machine tells you the number you gave me a large mug fill it up with coffee yeah it's not a hard one why am i getting two-thirds of a large mug and paying 50 cents more to you than the other person who served me but that's the kind of stuff that you're like if i don't need this first thing in the morning i i want to enjoy this without thinking that i'm being i know it's yeah it's 50 cents and it's probably two sips of coffee but it's all i'm here for yeah yeah no i uh as i said last year was certainly an eye-opener and i think it's made me a better person behind the machine <laughs> yeah definitely so with the mask hanging off one ear and <laughs> getting coffees wrong because we actually can't hear what they're ordering through the mask. Yeah. It's, it is pretty monotonous, but you know, we just keep keeping on. It's funny. Hey, I just, um, I've got a friend who put up a really interesting post referencing a study showing that masks don't stop viral transmission. It's from like 10, 15 years ago. And it was, it was a study that, had families wearing them in the house to try and stop transmission of virus, like the flu or whatever it is in the family, but everyone still got sick. Yeah. So he's like, well, we have scientific evidence that masks don't work. Why are we wearing masks? <laughs> Just, uh, I don't want to get involved. I mean, that's, I, the, that's the hard thing too. 
I mean, even when we do come out of these lockdowns, like staff, we've still got to keep wearing the mask. Mm-hmm. Um, customers just walk in, half of them not wearing them, whatever. You know, we're not going to knock back too many customers at the moment. We need every dollar we can put in the till. Of course, of course. Uh, and then they sit down and they've got their masks on. But in the meantime, we're walking around, you know, trying to read specials to them. And they go, oh, sorry, what was that? It's like, oh, God, you know. So it's it's... Yeah, there's a lot of frustration from that perspective. The other frustration, it probably sounds a bit harsh to say it because I got in trouble. I put on my, in a weak moment, as I said, I am glass half foolish, but last week I put on my Instagram feed. It was the Samuel L. Jackson um, in Pulp Fiction, just a little meme of him, like, you know, ask me again or say something (laughs) time. And it's like, if you ask me one more time how we're going in lockdown, it should be pretty obvious, but I've realized people just don't have anything else to talk about or they are just so, I I walked into the petrol station Saturday morning and the girl behind the counter said, how are you going? I said, I'm bloody amazing. How are you? And she just looked at me and she said, sorry. I said, I'm amazing. And she said, that's the weirdest answer I've had all morning. She said, that's fantastic. And I'm like, well, I am amazing. The sun's out. I've got half a day off. I think they're running at Flemington this afternoon. It's normally a good track. <laughs> There's beer in the fridge. You know, life's, yeah, life's good. People do the double take when you answer in the affirmative with how you're going. It's crazy, but we almost want to put a jar on the, you know, like $5 donation or $5 fine every time you ask. And it's not that there's a lack of sincerity to it, but like there's a Will Smith uh, podcast lately about people don't take enough seriousness in hellos and goodbyes yes it's Holy brilliant shit. well like, there's this whole idea of you know you're, you're 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 kind of lollying it over the net right like the how are you you, you know it's the wrong question because you're not interested in the answer correct and you're hoping that they're just going to tap it back over the net gently yep because you don't want them to give you anything too much so you don't want them to say well, it's fucking awful at the moment because my wife's got stage four cancer and my dog died and, you know, like we can't pay the mortgage because then they don't want to hear that, nor do they want to hear how wonderful you are. They want you to just go, I'm all right, thanks. Yeah, good, good, thanks. Yeah, cheers, you know. I've actually yeah. stopped people before and said, do you, like, do you really want to know? Because I'm up for chat. So what I absolutely love about um, and when the boys initiated uh, 100 Words Mate to Mate, um, the men's mental health uh, charity, uh, they don't sit there and because it is exactly what we spoke about then. We sit there and we say, how are you going? And yeah. or you ring a mate and say, how are you, mate? Or we'll be having too many beers and you might get a little bit of emotion out of the boys, you know, if you've had a few jars or you know, a few under your belt. But what they encourage with mate to mate is to ask how your day is out of 10. So ring your buddy and say, how's your day out of 10 today? Got to think oh, about that one, don't you? hundred percent you do. It was a five. Oh, that's no good. Like what, what does an eight look like? What does an eight look like to you? Future face it. Exactly. Try and remember that. Try and figure out a little bit more. Uh, you know, there's no point just sitting there on are you okay day that one time of the year shooting a message out. Are you okay days every day? Mm-hmm. Uh, but and yeah, it's a, weird, it's a weird question. I really love the premise of that. Yeah. But it, it, 
it just most people are just going to say yeah and what do we get from that we don't like you need to ask a question that's right you'd be going you'd be going through this all the time like with your counseling studies at the moment like how to ask a meaningful question and and beyond this idea of closed and open-ended questions there's more to it than that layers upon layers like it's a five what would make it a six what would make it a seven yeah and it's great when you sit there and you know if you get someone that is surprised by the question all of a sudden i've actually had a four it's like well what's your average for the week mate like where, where are you sitting with things and you'd be surprised sometimes the people that you wouldn't expect to not open up to you go, actually, it's been a, a few fours in a row. Well, why is that? And all of a sudden it isn't just a, how are you? And they're talking about stuff that they never would have spoken about. Yep. It's all of a sudden you've stacked a few fours. Why has that occurred? Oh, well, you know, Molly's had a, as you said, like, you know, she's had a skin cancer removed and we don't quite know, or blah, you know, it, it does open up the conversation a hell of a lot. So and it's the same with even just starting the day with don't just start with, oh, how you, you know, are you guys going, how's it, how are you going in COVID? Like you don't, you, you know the answer. Mm-hmm. Like I'd rather you come in and have a go at me because, you know, the D's got flogged by Western Bulldogs or something like that. Like talk about something interesting. Well, talk, not, I don't know, not the weather. Yeah. <laughs> I get that all the time. How's the weather? It's fucking Noosa. It's, <laughs> 24 and sunny in the middle of July, you know, yep. or the middle of August. Yeah, no need to rub it in. No need to rub it in. No, but it's my point. Why, like, why are you asking? You already know. Yeah. Like someone from Melbourne will call me up. How's the weather? I mean, fucking Noosa. Yep. Like, even if it's pissing down rain, that's exactly what's supposed to be happening at the moment because it's subtropical rain. That's some of the best rain you can get. You just sit there oh. and you watch it come down. As soon as you guys got the uh, Olympics up in uh, Queensland, I thought, oh, geez, if I move back now, I might have enough time to open and develop a half-decent venue by the time you guys are hitting that. Wouldn't wouldn't take much, mate. But I tell you that with with the price of land and rental up here at the moment, ouch. Well, it couldn't be any worse than, you know, a lot of Melbourne venues at the moment that can't open and, you know, whatever government grants or whatever – drip feed you're doing on a coffee and a couple of cakes, or if you're lucky, a bacon and egg roll, you're paying your staff, you're paying mm-hmm. uh, to keep the electricity on, but it's not covering rent and it's not covering some of the, you know, those big fixed ticket items. And uh, no, mate, it's, it's, not. it's nothing to fix that because it's just, it's adding up, it's adding up, it's adding up. And I think I put last lockdown you know, a post regarding that, you know, it isn't, we come out of lockdown and we're okay. Like this is a three or four month campaign to get out of where we are at the moment, just to see if we can get over this hump. So yeah, it's uh, rough. And there's not enough discussion about it. Like it's, it's, it's just such a weird insular kind of time where people are like, okay, it's rough, but but we've, we've got a small stretch here. Like, so there's Hastings street where you've got the big, crew down there and that's always high turnover because people try their luck it's like going to ballarat and the gold rush they're just hoping for the best <laughs> you get some you get some good operators but most of them don't know where they're asked from their elbow but the local little strip here in the junction i don't know what they did for the three months that it was that, that people could go in i i don't know maybe two of them shut down right and they were probably the ones that shouldn't open in the first place they probably they didn't have a contingency 
and I don't want them to have shut down. But the ones that are still going are like, whoa. Uh, because there's not, there's not traffic here. You know, you've got maybe 10,000 people in the local area. They're not all going to go to have dinner out on the, in the junction. I'd love, so I was walking down Glenferry Road the other day and mm-hmm. similar to Burke Road, both of them right, are right. numerous, like it's ghost towns, you know, so many mm-hmm. places have shut up shop. But oh, yeah. the leasing agents that are still using the same catch cries and banners that they've used for the last 20 years, great hospitality opportunity, own your own restaurant, all of these sorts of things. Can someone just be ballsy and just write on one of these signs like, throw your nuts on the line or roll the dice, you know, we'll give you cheap rent. Have a go. Have a go some, you know, so, because who knows what's happening. But, yeah, no, you're mad at the moment if you want to be jumping in until we get, look, I don't know, but the vaccination numbers or however, until we stop getting lockdowns, it's not an industry to get excited about, that's for sure. No, and, and it's unfortunate because it's, it's, it's what keeps it rolling. You know, it really does. Like, I don't, I don't know what you do with that hospitality industry. No. I mean, here especially, the whole thing here is tourism and hospitality. That's right. And construction. But what are they building? More resorts, probably. Yeah, well, don't even get me started on building. It's interesting. One of my mates last Thursday posted on, and he's a institutional restaurant down in uh, Fitzroy Street. Family's owned it. His dad owned it. He now runs it. And similar, you know, they won't survive. They won't be able to pay their rents and those sorts of things. And it was the whole, what the actual fuck? You tell us at 4.30 on a Thursday afternoon that we've got to be closed at 8. We've already put in our seafood orders. We've already put in our meat orders for the weekend. The milk's arriving tomorrow and we can't cancel it. Yeah, we can't sell anything tonight. But it's all right. They'll be working on the tunnel tomorrow. Hashtag jobs for the boys. Mm. So, and I understand that those jobs need to keep going, but the... uh, the narrow-minded of that small business, um, you know, lack of understanding is certainly frustrating. So well, they, did it, they did it here. It was at 4 p.m. We, we got told at 12, you'll be shut at 4. And I'm like, the first thing I said to Erica was, uh, what about Mise en Plus? <laughs> <laughs> there are going to be chefs that are dead set throwing shit around the kitchen right now. Yeah. Yep, yeah. and that's just the chefs that maybe don't even own the place, right? That's just the chefs who have like, fuck this, look at all the work I've just put in. Correct. And I, yours is great. Like I never thought about the hairdresser who's like got someone yeah. half done. Yeah, exactly. What about I my colour? Well, if you got, go home and you do this. <laughs> yeah, just go and rinse it out, love. You'll be fine. I went and got my hair cut the other day and I had to wear a mask while I was in getting my hair cut. Oh, Okay. I haven't had to go through that process yet. And I was like, and I, was like Matt, I said to her, look, this is, this is silly. She's like, I know. So the, by the end of it, we both had our masks on. But she said, can't do your beard. Oh, of course. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Radio. That, yeah. that was a funny, that was a funny one. Four months without a haircut last year was interesting. It's just like, I'll just have a crack at this myself. I ended up looking like those rude AFL players that got everything shaved down the side and, you know, party at the back and, Month or a bit of a crisis, I probably was, but that's okay. So I don't know what the AFL players have been doing, but it's been pretty. Uh, it's been one of the funniest things to watch with rugby league is because they're just in the bubble, right? They can't get out, so they've started cutting each other's hair. Yep. Fucking hilarious, and you know everyone's got a mullet, right? I feel like it's nineteen eighty eight again. 
bring it back. Unreal. Now all they need to do is bring back the Biff from the 1980s and, and the game oh, as it was. The Biff, mate. But these are, these are extreme mullets. <laughs> so hilarious. It's some big Tongan dude who's got a mullet. But you're not, you're not going to tell him. It doesn't look good on him. It looks no. rather. That looks superb. You've nailed that. You have absolutely crushed it. <laughs> absolutely crushed it. Oh, I might go and join my family outside, mate. They're all having a bit of a party out there. Sounds pretty good. What do you got on for the evening? I What, what do I have? A bit of work on my podcast. So we're just Ooh. sitting there and... Finally got the like the tile or however you want to put it. Like we've got the logo and all of that sorted. So we've got a few. So what's more. the plan? Is that a September launch? Is that what you think? Yeah, yeah, probably September, just after the end of footy season. So we've got uh, four four cuts down so far. Another four locked in, and then we'll probably, yeah. probably do fortnightly releases uh, from that point, and then all start right. working towards season two, which would be great. So some you're doing fun. eight per season, are you? Just whatever works. This one, eight just seemed like a nice number. Um, I like the idea of seasons. It seems really nice. Yeah. And the thing was, I mean, you know, it will all be revealed when when we release, but, you know, the the podcast surrounds itself about chatting with successful um, and amazing people. But the misconception in the community of the fact that successful and amazing means that you've got to be, you know, a, a B grade or a C grade actor or you've earned lots of money and those sorts of people, there's... There's everyday Joes, even like yourself, like you're an amazing, successful person because you've stopped that kid wetting the bed. Like that is that is a level of amazement and success in the community. So there's a there's an even amount of people that, you know, people will know their name and then there's other people that they don't know their name at all. But if 10 people listen to it and it gets one person, you know, a happy vibe or if they're listening to the Craig Turton one and gets one of them calling lifeline or something like that. Like it's perfect. Brilliant. So it's a lot of fun and there's a lot to be said for it. So looking forward to that. And then probably have a cheeky glass of vino. Maybe there's not much else to do at the moment. Yeah. Just just, it's funny. I should just be saying cheeky bottle of vino. Let's be honest. It's not just going to be a glass. (laughs) It works, mate. Do you know what's interesting? Erica and I did dry July. Okay. And I have not, gotten back to it where are we we're almost halfway through august now yep this will probably go up sometime early september um but yeah no pull no pull back to it at all yeah wow really interesting really interesting just no don't really feel like it it's funny i drink less i drink less in lockdown i know a lot Mm -hmm. of people sit there and through feeling depressed they, they tend to but there's a social component that comes with working hospitality um oh of course and, and also, like, I, I openly admit to that FOMO situation. Like, I'll finish work and then I'll go catch up with my mates that are, you know, they love their sports and horse racing. And then I'll catch up with other people in hospitality when they finish. And then before you know it, you've had a drink with that person, drink with that person, drink with that person. You get home and you still have that bottle of wine. Whereas now it's probably only have maybe the bottle of wine or, you know, a couple of glasses when I'm cooking because you can never trust a thirsty cook. So, you know. No. No. Like... <laughs> no. Never. So Speaking yeah, of which what is on the menu tonight? I don't know. It's it's not my not your turn. It's not me tonight. I did a I tell you what I came up with last night. I did this like Greek chicken wrap. I was gonna do like a souvlaki kind of thing with lamb, but I just, you know, you've got to you've got to work it out for the kids, right? Yep. 
So I threw together this little chicken thing in a wrap with, you know, some chips on the side. <laughs> but I was out there sweeping. She's just whacked the broom into the window and sorry, dad. Right, no, while I'm recording. Keep sweeping. It's not a professional outfit. That was the broom falling. There she goes. Right. See, this is this was the whole point of these conversations. That sure, it goes out as a podcast. But if we don't really have a plan, other than I know what people are about that come onto the show, yeah, we can we can see what pops up, and we can just have a conversation. It doesn't matter if the dog comes in. Doesn't matter if my daughter drops a broom outside because it's just a real chat. I, I love it. it uh, it's taking me back to is it wedding crashes and, you know, it's like, I don't even know what she's doing out there, you know. Ma, the meatloaf. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Next thing you know, Erica's just walking in with a plate of food for you or something like that. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at some point I think I'll, I'll dial in like a, a parallel series and it'll still be under the same banner, but there'll be like little sub-themes where there'll be these blokes and maybe maybe me and some ladies as well having a chit-chat that just goes on and on and on and on. And if people want to listen to that stuff, then great. And if not, we had a good conversation. But I'll get some structured kind of 30 to 45-minute interview type stuff going as well. Yeah, look, we're the same. Like we sit there and, you know, we, we were going to have a chat with someone anyway. Like the whole idea was in, in, in a year last year where a lot of people weren't conversing with each other, we're having chats with some mates and if people want to listen into it, great. If not, we're probably going to do it and have a beer anyway. So yeah. Yes. Well, and you know, I think it's really nice is to, to, again, we come back full circle with these chats most of the time is that there is the opportunity in this, like two guys having a chat to show that how, how easy is it for two guys just to have a chat and not be superficial talking about bullshit. Exactly. You know, we talk about what's going on and, you know, we maybe we haven't gotten as deep as we could get, but we uh, certainly didn't just sit yeah. at the surface level where we're talking about, look at the sky and the weather. Yeah, how was your day how's going? That? Yeah, good. How, how, how are you, dear? <laughs> I'm going to ask my wife that now. How are you, dear? How was your day on a scale of one to ten? Yeah, do that. See if she gives you an honest response. Oh, she'll give me an honest response, dead set. I'll get nice. nothing, nothing but. All right, mate. We will do this again sometime soon. Hey. Awesome. We don't even love need your to guts. Yeah, love your guts too, mate. All the best. All right, mate. Take care of yourself. See ya. Cheers, brother. Yeah.